time for another episode of Molly Sleazy Friends. Hey everybody, welcome back to Molly Sleazy Friends, a podcast where I bring my sleazy friends on to tell me about things. We are here at Little Everywhere Studios in beautiful and glamorous Atwater Village, Los Angeles, California, and my sleazy friend today is Sarah Johnson. Hi. That's not my real voice, but (laughs) eh, whatever. It's your podcasting voice. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Hi. I like to podcast. Well, then you suddenly get like 100 emails from angry men. (laughs) uh, She said, like... She also sounded like a demented Teletubby. This is horrible. <laughs> she had vocal fry and she talked like uh, Judge Doom at the end of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> Today's episode of Molly's Sleazy Friends is a very special episode. It's the Illuminati special. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sarah and I were going to talk about some things related to the Illuminati. Uh, Alex Jones, uh, the movie National Treasure. And a little bit of a unified theory of cocktail and eyes wide shut that Sarah brought to me that I'm going to share with all of you. <laughs> but you must promise never to tell anyone or you'll be killed ritualistically. It's a secret. It's a secret. ASMR. Sarah, you're my friend. Yep. <laughs> In real life yep. and on this podcast. Mm-hmm. We used to be roommates. Yeah, eight years, nine years, something like that. What? Stop blowing my mind. Yeah. Sarah's my friend that I refer to as like my new young friend, but it's also, we've been (laughs) friends for like 10 years. Yeah, and I'm in my 30s now. You're in your 30s. Yeah. Uh, But you're still, you're still my little, my little scamp friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, Got my face tattoos, got SoundCloud, check it out, y'all. The youth. Yeah. Uh, You got those raps about... How you're sad. Mm-hmm. I sample Lincoln Park. I would listen to that. Yeah, it would be great. <laughs> um, we were going to talk about Alex Jones a little bit. Uh, Sarah, you're from Texas. Yep. The home place of Alex Jones. Yep. Is he a born and raised Texan? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Tell me tell me what you think about Alex Jones. Uh, well, when I listened to some of his earlier stuff... He reminds me of someone who'd be one of my family friends from Austin, maybe from the 70s, you know, maybe someone who did like a bit too much acid. Uh, Specifically, I'm thinking of my family friend, Don, who gave me a lot of crystals when I was young, also believes in UFOs, you know, classic model, uh, Art Bell type. Yeah. And Alex Jones, it's like that. And then it's like he took a turn. Yeah, I like the idea of the acid casualty who then becomes like a crazy conservative because yeah. you don't put those things together always, but that is what Alex Jones seems like. Right. It's like he's incorporating aspects of uh, like Texas libertarianism where he's like, I just want my guns, I want my weed, and I want the government to leave me alone. Right, because he, he smokes weed. I'm not sure. But... As far as I can tell, all that libertarianism is is being a conservative who smokes weed. Right. Um, most of the conservatives I knew in Texas, I would describe as that. Like the ones who are more classic Republicans are just the worst, you know, type who like went to St. Mark's, wear khakis. They look like they're 50 at the age of 20. <laughs> and Alex Jones is like, right, that's the thing is like Alex Jones was like 
cool for a while. Not cool, but yeah. like more of like an Art Bell. Yeah, like you know, he popped up in uh, at least one Richard Linklater. Yeah, film. he's in uh, Scanner Darkly. Yeah, and he's also in Waking Life. He's one of the talking heads in Waking Life, which is probably the first place I saw him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were talking about how like first of all, we learned that Alex Jones is forty three years old only, which blew everyone's mind. And yeah, because seems... he seems younger. <laughs> it just seems like that there's a conspiracy theory there mm-hmm. about how old Alex Jones really is. Well, maybe it's like the sort of person who doesn't wear sunscreen because they believe that it has lots of chemicals. So he's oh, out in the Texas sun yeah. getting all ruddy faced. And he's like, no. Nope, well, he have. probably sells like pure zinc and he sells it on the Alex Jones website. I think he does. Yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's like a sort of sunscreen where it has this kind of pseudoscience idea of like, well, the molecules aren't so small that they'll get inside you and then yeah, you die. I've like... read the exact same thing from like Gwyneth Paltrow, mm-hmm. you know, where they're like, sunscreen is poison. So you have to use this sunscreen that we make and it's $100 yeah. and it's made of crystals and mm-hmm. it'll protect you from thetans. Yeah, it's like a horseshoe theory, but for bullshit that's sold at not even Whole Foods. I think Whole Foods would be too mainstream for this. Lassen's. Sort of yes. Because Lassen's is the fake natural food store that supports like anti abortion groups. Yeah. Uh, and they, that scares me the most is people who have like the trappings of hippie or rich hippie stuff, but mm-hmm. then are like supporting anti abortion. Yeah charities i just heard about something else like that that was revlon is starting a new line of makeup that's like woke makeup it's called (laughs) flesh oh but Hmm. then somebody was like by the way the chairperson of revlon donated like billions of dollars to the trump campaign so don't buy their makeup that's like inclusive makeup for everyone because that money is going to go to fund Trump's reelection. So are they trying to ride on the wave of like Rihanna? Yeah. And like Glossier, Glossier. It's just Rihanna. Whatever. Rihanna did a really smart thing because she's a brilliant genius, mm-hmm. uh, which was that her makeup line, because makeup is super racist and always has like a million white people shades and then like three shades for any skin color that's mm-hmm. that's dark at all. And so she just made a really great inclusive line that has like a million different shades, a lot of different shades for brown skinned women and like with different undertones, you know, because usually I think it's like it's weird when you think about it because it's like they'll have like a hundred shades of beige and then like two shades of like, you know, like for people with melanin. Yeah. So Rihanna was so successful doing that that then everybody's trying to get on the bandwagon, but they're all doing a really bad job. That other brand, Tarte, put out, like, a big line of foundations, and then they were like, look, like, a hundred shades, and everybody was like, 90 of these shades are, like, beige, (laughs) you know? So they went back and, like, redid it and made it more inclusive, but it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, duh, you're going to sell more makeup if you, like, make it more inclusive, and also, you know you don't have to be a condescending dick about it, right? which is why people like Rihanna, because she was like, I'm making this thing because it's, like, what I would want, and, like... You can have it, too, if you're cool. Yeah. Um, anyway, give your money to Rihanna mm-hmm. instead of Revlon. Uh, definitely. Yeah. Give your Just give your money to Rihanna. We yeah. should all just give our money to Rihanna. That's she what I do. She has a new eyeshadow palette coming out. Yeah, man. Fenty Beauty. I, I'm, I ride hard for it. <laughs> it's so good. It just, like, I love it. Mm-hmm. I just love the 
everything about it. Yeah, and they should sponsor you. Sponsor me, Rihanna. I love you. <laughs> um, yeah, so Alex Jones, you sent me like an interview he did with David Lynch a long time ago. That's how we started talking about this. Yeah, it's really great. It's from, I believe, 2005. So you get to hear David Lynch, I mean, Alex Jones talking about Patriot and talking to David Lynch about like archetypes within his films. He asks about the owls and David Lynch is saying like, oh, no, that was from Mark Frost. But it's really funny to hear. Alex Alex Jones sounds like a real person, which he no longer does. Yeah. He sounds like a very excited film geek. Yeah. Um, Should we try to do our Alex Jones impressions? The owls are not what they seem, folks. <laughs> hey, what do you what do you think if Mulholland Drive had been a TV show? What would have happened? Oh yeah, the craziest thing is that he brings up Lost Highway, which is like, damn. No, it's funny because it's like not only is Alex Jones definitely a real David Lynch super fan. Well, because this came up too, because David Lynch gave that interview where he got quoted the poll quote was really bad and taken out of context and made it seem like he was a Trump supporter. Yeah. And then everybody was like well, like, all his movies are about weird nostalgia for the past in Mm -hmm. some way, so, like, maybe there's some of that. I guess I just hadn't occurred to me that anyone from the right wing would, like, be into David Lynch, but, you know, part of their thing of trying to make being right wing cool is being into stuff like David Lynch. Yeah. Uh, And I guess if I think about it, I'm like, there's, like, only white people in David Lynch movies for the most part. fucked up babies yeah. and radiator women and somebody was like but they're oh. white and somebody was like also like the representation of like true abject horror and a lot of his stuff is like poor people or mm-hmm. like oh right like, like the person behind the dumpster yeah the person who lives in the dumpster behind the the winkies yeah um in Mulholland Drive yeah and then they leave like a one-star Yelp review yeah but it's just that thing where you're like oh somebody could read all this David Lynch stuff and interpret it in a way that is like favorable to the alt-right somehow or you know, I guess that's just what we're coming up against a lot. Mm-hmm. We we're talking about this on my other podcast on Night Call, but like sort of like postmodern uh, right wing stuff where people are like anything I like from all of history counts as being like for the right wing now, you mm-hmm. know, where they're like, I enjoy this rap song. Now I'm going to be like Tupac loves the alt right. Right. Tupac does not love the alt right. Um I'm just imagining, like, an alt-right version of, like, Room 237. Yeah. They just feel like they can just take anything that they want and be like, this is part of our movement. And as long as the person isn't alive to say that they're not, like, when Depeche Mode was like, no, hell no, we're not part of your thing. Uh, But David Lynch, like, goes on Alex Jones. And it's interesting that Alex Jones has this cachet with, like people like David David Lynch and Richard Linklater and stuff, because he is like a weirdo with a radio show. Yeah. Um, and I don't know exactly when he turned into the Alex Jones of now. Right. It seemed like, uh, like when did they start caping for uh, Donald Trump? Uh, probably right around the beginning mm-hmm. of that era. I mean, I think he was caping for the Tea Party. I think he became associated and affiliated with the Tea Party as like a symbol. Yeah. But... It is weird because also libertarians, like what I, the your old school libertarians, 
what I think of is that they want like no government. They're like a little closer to anarchists almost. They're yeah. like, disband the government and then everybody just gets your bitcoins. Yeah. It's like, what about the roads? Yeah, like, yeah. Well, they're like, well, we'll fund the roads with GoFundMe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was like that thing the other day where like Domino's did some promo about like fixing potholes. Oh, and yeah. It's like, okay. Here's our dystopia. Like Domino's is fix going to fix the roads. Right. If if that showed up in a film, you'd be like, "That's really heavy handed." No, it literally but... made me think of in Demolition Man when everything is a Taco Bell. Oh yeah. You know. <laughs> it's like that. It's like okay, every like this state is sponsored by Taco Bell. <laughs> I could definitely see Texas like seceding and being sponsored by Taco Bell. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Alex Jones is is scary now because. Mm-hmm. He's a, just a real, a real racist. Yeah, but back then. But yeah. back then, it didn't seem. But that seems like a lot of things from the be- before time, where yeah. it's like, huh, I wouldn't have predicted that that person would turn out to be a crazy fascist. But mm-hmm. like, who? Yeah, who it's knew? Like, oh, that ironic racism was actually a racism. Yeah, mm. it was. It sure was. That was the <laughs> twist all along. Uh, if only there were clues we could have followed along the way. Mm-hmm. Perhaps clues hidden in some of the greatest American monuments that would uh, open up a path to uh, treasure of yeah. some kind. Oh, and also speaking of the uh, the David Lynch interview, at one point Alex Jones asked him about the documentary Loose Change. Yeah. Not even Loose Change, Loose Change 2. <laughs> the sequel. Like, what are they covering in that? Um, and David Lynch, I'm definitely pra- paraphrasing here, he says something along the lines of like, a person is like a detective and you know you're trying to make sense of the world so you're just going to find clues everywhere and you create a narrative to uh make sense of everything i like the idea of someone being like the movie loose change is just like blue velvet (laughs) seamless transition (laughs) you see that ear and you're like this was an inside job yeah (laughs) i does he does he get david lynch to say anything about whether or not he thinks 9-11 was an inside job like is he leading him there to be like He's definitely trying to lead him there, but uh, yeah, yeah. And David Lynch is his usual inscrutable yeah. self. Mm-hmm. But you gotta, you gotta assume someone prepped him for Alex Jones a little bit of I'm like, sure. this is the guy who believes in aliens and also, yeah. Well, it was around the time that he was promoting this book about transcendental meditation. Oh, right. So was there was doing... probably that crossover, right? Because it's also like he's selling his particular brand of snake oil yeah which i remember he came to usc around that time and everyone was so excited because it was like oh cool david lynch. david lynch yeah he's gonna do a lecture and then he just talks about tm the whole time yeah, yeah. <laughs> i remember he did that college tour and i saw like the promo dvd from it which mm-hmm. was really amazing because it is just like an infomercial for tm and their whole thing is like you can fly if you get good enough at transcendental meditation and then they show what the flying is and it's just somebody sitting in lotus pose meditating and then they just start kind of like bouncing and they're like look i'm look he's flying it's like wait a minute yeah you shouldn't have shown it because now i know that right that's not what that is but i'm pro transcendental meditation yeah i'm just anti-giving money to people for anything right (laughs) unless it's to me for this podcast um there's this really great moment where so david lunch is talking about transcendental meditation and the, I mean, I believe it's not actually true, but the idea of like, oh, you only use like this percentage of your brain, but then when you meditate, you use more. You open it up. And then Alex Jones is like, oh yeah, yeah, I do that every day. Just 
trying to say that he uses most of his brain just being himself, thinking his deep thoughts, and David Lynch is like, thinks mm. that. <laughs> I mean, the libertarians I've known, I've known some libertarians, and I have a higher tolerance for them than most people yeah. until they become uh, racist fascists, and then they got they got to just go. Yeah. Then you just can't even argue with them. But it's this idea of like I don't know. It appeals to people that are like I'm smarter than everyone else. Right. I'm, it's like uh, you know someone who's like oh I could. I could write for South Park. Like, South Park libertarians are totally Right, where they're like, I see both sides, and I see them both from above, a million miles above, where I'm the smart person who can see how stupid everyone is on both sides. Right. But it's still giving you that stupid both sides are equal, deserve equal weight in an argument thing, which is like, no. Yeah. The racists don't deserve anything. They're not, you know... You know what yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> I lived in Texas. You lived in Texas. <laughs> but yeah, like there's that thing about libertarians where it's like, I'm not a regular right wing person. I'm like smarter, smart enough to like see their what they don't know that yeah. only I know. I'm skeptical of everything. Yeah. I break the fourth wall and I look at the camera. I'm skeptical of everything except Bitcoin. You know, <laughs> yeah. like that's the thing is they're like, I'm so smart. I'm nobody's fool. I don't fall for any of that old bullshit. But then it's like also buy these vitamins from Infowars.com. <laughs> <laughs> the government's trying to sell you bad medicine and only Infowars knows what vitamins you need. It mm-hmm. really is a lot like Goop, actually, now that I think about it. It's like yeah. a lifestyle website with a store that sells you supplements mm-hmm. and is like, only these supplements work because they have activated cordyceps in them. <laughs> oh, no. You know? Yeah. It's pretty pretty much the same. So... Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow go on InfoWars yeah. is where this mm-hmm. is leading. Um, National Treasure. Speaking of the Illuminati, this has come up a lot because like, I and Sarah and everyone else cool that I know, we've always been interested in conspiracy theory stuff. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to reclaim it for the left because some of it's true for sure. That's the thing is it's like, you know, I'm, I distrust the government for... <laughs> Very good reasons. Right. Did you see that thing recently about how uh, a lot of the photos that we had of the moon of, you know, past 50 years or so, they're actually not as sharp as they could be or they actually were? Because then it came out that, oh, we actually took those photos with, what was it, a 70 millimeter camera? Um, You mean we took them at Pinewood Studios in London with Stanley Kubrick? Yeah. Eyes wide open. Well, one of the <laughs> <laughs> one of the reasons why people think the moon landing is fake is because uh, the like flag doesn't wave or the flag waves. Mm-hmm. I've I've seen people be like, the reason we think the moon landing is fake is because like there's appears to be gravity in those photos, and then if you see like the other additional photos from it, it makes it. It's like no, they use the good photos, and there are some really like crappier photos that they didn't release yeah but uh i keep saying that like the moon landing is a really fucked up thing because we spent all this money on going to the moon um and i keep bringing this up everywhere i go but also like (laughs) we like gave all these nazi scientists safe house in america so that they could be part of nasa and part of the space program and uh we didn't have to do that. Could have put them on trial for war crimes instead. So I fight a lot with Nazis 
on Twitter who are like, what, you don't love the space program? Mm -hmm. What, you don't think it was great that we went to the moon? And I'm like, not really. It's not my favorite. Well, yeah, you like the ocean. I think I like we've had a discussion ocean, but over I... many years of friendship. I'm space, yes. you're ocean. It's true. It's true. I mean, do you think that like going to the moon was a worthwhile endeavor? Uh, it just seems crazy we went there once and then like never again. Yeah, I guess it was like in the context of the time, definitely it was, uh, you know, supposed to stir the spirits it and we're in the, the space race. And... Yeah. I watched a, a conspiracy documentary that was a lot about the space race. And what was really interesting was it was like so much of what America did was in response to Russia bluffing that they had better space stuff than they did. Where Russia was like, we're almost there. We're almost at the moon. And then America was like, oh, we got to put all this money and like get there first. We got to pour all this stuff into it. Do it. Prove we're the best. And then we did. But Russia was definitely like not as advanced as they told us they were, mm -hmm. you know? They were just bluffing. Uh, and then we were like, gotta do it, and we did it. But really seems like that money could have been spent on feeding people. Yeah. Other uh, stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> but nobody wants to hear that, because <laughs> it's cooler to be like, we went to the moon. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, why you continue to fight people yeah. everywhere. In line at Starbucks. In line at Starbucks. Just, you know, on the Alex Jones show. Mm -hmm. um, Alex Jones, have me on. I will fight you all day <laughs> about Elon Musk and the space Nazis. Yeah. The thing that set it off was that I found out, somebody said there's from this biography, somebody put out a biography of Elon Musk, and there was a thing about how at SpaceX there's a room named after Werner von Braun. Right. Who's like one of the big Nazi rocket scientists. And everybody was like, separate the art from the artist. And I was like, no, <laughs> don't name rooms after Nazis yeah. and don't erase somebody's Nazism because they like did a science thing you like. Mm -hmm. Just like don't erase somebody's shittiness because they like made a movie you like. Uh, it's pretty much the basis of everything that I care about thinking about. Am I Alex Jones? My voice has gotten more gravelly as we've been doing this podcast. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Wasn't there a long thing in BuzzFeed a few months ago about sort of behind the scenes, about his process and how it seems like he does a lot of it off the top of his head? Like someone will give him a prompt. Oh, I'm shocked that he does it off the yeah, top of his head. Yeah, just raging, like bizarro spalding gray monologue oh, it is like bizarro spalding gray yeah you're so right remember i forget if somebody else started this conspiracy theory uh but there was a conspiracy theory that he is like much older than he says mm -hmm. uh and that he is secretly that comedian oh bill hicks yeah that he's secretly Bill Hicks, yeah, uh, which I liked that conspiracy because <laughs> yeah. I think it's that he's really into Bill Hicks and he mm -hmm. like made a lot, like put a lot of his persona was modeled after Bill Hicks, you right. know. And there's always that hope that like, oh, maybe this is all performance art. That's what I always hope with those people. I'm yeah. always like, it's all an act. They don't really think those things. I think I heard that about Larry the Cable Guy. Mm -hmm. Like Larry the Cable Guy, like hates Republicans. <laughs> he's just like doing a bit but right. i don't think that's true i think yeah. i just wanted wanted it to be true because it I, would be funny yeah i haven't thought of that guy in a while larry the cable guy yeah 
I think uh, he does the voice in Cars of the tow truck. And oh, that was when yeah. I came to love love his voice and be like, too bad. Mm-hmm. Too bad you're bad. Was his catchphrase, get her done? Get her done. Yep. Get, I, get G-I-T. Yep. R, the letter R. Mm-hmm. Done, D-U-N. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was at his peak when I still was in Texas. So oh, I would sometimes man. see like, get her done on pickup trucks. Well, it seems like most of the cool people from Texas escape from Texas. Yeah. But there have to be some cool people who stay there and are like, fight the good fight. Yeah, definitely. And I wonder, I wonder if we can like, let's flip Alex Jones. Like if Alex Jones goes far enough to the right. No, that's not how it works, actually. (laughs) Too bad. (laughs) I mean, he did post that uh, awful meme. Not meme, but you know. He posted, yeah. Malcolm X with an InfoWars graphic on it. That's what I'm saying, though. They're just so all over the place. I'm like, well, your ideology is not consistent, and that is their ideology, is being totally inconsistent. Yeah, and just being able to escape any sort of criticism, being like, oh, it was a joke. It was a joke. I'm not a racist. I've just been joking about it in a public place for 10 years, loudly inciting people to violence. Mm -hmm. You are not that cool, Alex Jones. No. But you have a good radio voice. Yeah. And that's what people like in the cult of personality. Cult of personality. Uh, so national treasure. So national <laughs> yeah. treasure. So Just uh, want to avoid the deep truths of that movie. Yeah. So I, I saw the movie National Treasure for the first time like last week. Yeah. Same here. Because you texted <laughs> me and you're like, watch National Treasure. Well, I knew about it. Mm-hmm. I remember a friend of mine was really into it, um, and my friend who works in kind of like set design and prop stuff. And I was like, right, because it seems like the f- most fun movie to mm-hmm. make props for, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's basically Indiana Jones, but Indiana Jones is uh, Nick Cage. Yeah. And Nick Cage is named Professor Benjamin Franklin something. <laughs> I don't remember his name. His name is Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> And um, I remember when we were both watching it, you texted me something about like, oh, this is like some something that like top secrets from number yeah. 23 would write. We also watched the movie The Number 23, yeah. which is about Jim Carrey yeah. seeing the number 23 everywhere he goes. Yeah. And the uh, through line of those two films is anagrams. Yeah. Which I also think about uh, anagrams, codes and ciphers. Yeah. I just watched a really long Zodiac documentary that was all about. The Zod- they they broke the Zodiac code, supposedly. They mm-hmm. broke this one cipher that had never been broken. What did it say? Well, it was amazing. Not to spoil it, but the hunt for the Zodiac killer from the History Channel uh, on Hulu. Uh, actually, like, more of a real thing than I thought it would be. A little bit of new information. They had all these coders working on breaking this Zodiac cipher, but they also had a supercomputer that they programmed to think like the Zodiac where they put like everything the Zodiac ever wrote into it. And mm-hmm. then at a certain point, it starts generating its own Zodiac letters. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just like one of the many plot threads in this documentary. Oh. I recommend it wholeheartedly. I keep saying like the thing that's great about it is like any Zodiac thing. It's like it starts with like, okay, we've got all the evidence. We're going to sort it out and solve it. And then by the third episode, they're just, like, digging a hole in the forest. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're going to find something because this code led us here. Just, it looks like a branch that's specifically from this one uh, tree. It just devolves into insanity. Yeah. They're, like, digging up a hole in the Donner Pass. And they're, like, 
We might find some dead bodies. Hopefully they're related to the Zodiac. <laughs> oh, it's getting dark. Let's just dig the hole faster. Hope no one pushes us in it. Uh, but what they figure out at the end of it is they're like, the Zodiac claims to have revealed his name in this cipher. And then mm-hmm. there's like a name in the cipher, but the name is Richard Nixon. <laughs> Jokes. Wow. Jokes from the Zodiac. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, speaking of Richard Nixon, I watched uh, All the President's Men for the first time. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Guess what? That movie's good. It's pretty good. Yeah. I like how uh, it seems like it's going to have a 70s downer ending. But it's it like, doesn't. Yeah. It's the only one. Yeah. Because, you know, like in real life, oh, it's not going to have it, but the ending, you know. You think it'll have the Zodiac ending where Nixon gets away with it, but mm-hmm. that's not what happened. Yeah. And that is something we all cling to every day. Yeah. Of like, things can happen. Uh, I liked, you were watching a lot of like 70s sort of cornerstone movies that you would never watch. Yeah, and trying to catch up with that sort of canon. I've also been watching a lot of British films from the 50s and 60s. Hell yeah. Uh, last night, you know, it was 4th of July, so I decided to watch a Ken Loach film. What could be more appropriate? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, nothing is more patriotic than National Treasure. Yeah. Because National Treasure, I mean, that's the thing, is it's like the reason conspiracy theories are alluring is because they like add a layer of mystery to things that are already mysterious. Mm-hmm. Like, why is there an Illuminati pyramid with an all-seeing eye on the dollar bill? Things that you do think about and go, gee, that is weird if I think about it for more than one second. Yeah. And so National Treasure, it doesn't really have a political agenda other than like, it's the Da Vinci Code, but in America. Yeah. It's like the founding fathers mm-hmm. had a bunch of treasure and they hid it in a treasure map that's on the back of the Declaration of Independence. And then Nicolas Cage has to steal the Declaration of Independence in order to protect it, which I keep bringing up as what we are going to have to do. Yeah. But it also just reminds you that like the founding fathers were just some dudes They weren't like ancient Olympian gods or anything. They were just like some bros who Mm -hmm. owned property and human beings. And we don't have to like do all the stuff they wanted us to do. We could rip it up and start over. It's not that old. (laughs) This is when I fully become Alex Jones. I'm like, (laughs) yeah. Oh, we just rip up the Declaration of Independence (laughs) and then we're British again. (laughs) That's how it works. The Queen's Empire. Maybe we get to win the World Cup. All the coffee will turn into tea. <laughs> it's a reverse tea party. <laughs> uh, the thing about National Treasure that is really baffling to me, I mean, there's many baffling things about it. It's yeah. like uh, Diane Kruger is the love interest and she's like German, but for no reason. Yeah. She's German and like because of how my brain works, I'm like, oh, we're going to find out she's like a Nazi because... <laughs> She reminded me of that Nazi in Last Crusade right? a little bit. It's like, she's an icy blonde German. Yeah, but they're just like, nope, she's just an icy blonde German. Yeah. And now they're in love. Yeah. Because they went under some, like, the Liberty Bell together. And they don't even go that many places. That's the other thing. Yeah. For, like, a very big budget movie, they spend a lot of time figuring out how to do stuff. And then it's like, they only go to, like... I guess it's the Freedom Trail. They like go to D.C., Philadelphia, and Boston, mm-hmm. um, which I loved as like a nerd. I was like, oh, yes, the Freedom Trail. <laughs> <laughs> 
But in Boston, it's like they go to some church or something. These aren't even right. like maybe the most iconic things you could go to. But what it does is it makes you be like 50 more national treasures. <laughs> um, but there's only two. Yeah. We got to watch the second one. Second one, I hear they go to Mount Rushmore. Everyone I have told like, oh, yeah, I got to watch the second one. They're like, oh, the second one's bad. And I'm like, how bad can it be? And I guess it's bad enough that they didn't make a national treasure three. Until now. Until now. We were talking about uh, making our own National Treasure sequel mm-hmm. called California Treasure. Yeah. Originally, it was called Hollywood Treasure, and then I decided it should be, like, all California-wide. So it's sort of like Heelhauser, California Gold? Yeah. Or the Zodiac. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the clues would be, in the obviously, in the Hollywood sign. Mm-hmm. Maybe, like, one in the Golden Gate Bridge. Maybe uh, one of the stars on the Hollywood Boulevard. <gasps> It's an anagram. <gasps> Keep going. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what other monuments do we have? Not that many. There's just like one in the ocean. It's like a bottle in the ocean. Oh, you got to have something at Alcatraz. Oh, yeah. And then it becomes a crossover with The Rock. Yeah. And it becomes part of the Jerry Breckheimer unified universe. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Wow. Speaking of unified universes, oh, God. <laughs> who loves a segue? Woo. Um, the reason this is the Illuminati special is because Sarah and I are both huge fans of the movie Eyes Wide Shut. It is great. Which is a big Illuminati movie. Mm, surprisingly funny. Um, my boyfriend and I watched a very long YouTube documentary where somebody was analyzing Eyes Wide Shut like frame by frame, and then we found out the person who makes those videos is a crazy right-wing person, mm-hmm. and we were like, huh, okay, fine. <laughs> that checks out. Yeah, I've seen a website like that, and it's one of those old-school kinds where you keep scrolling, and it goes and goes, and you get to the bottom, and then it has a link and says, next page. <laughs> The thing about stuff like that is it's like it does it's comforting to think that there isn't a secret order to everything, I guess. It's comforting for people to be like everything's under control. It's just that the elders of Zion or whatever are like planning it. Right. And then with order. Yeah. And within film, going back to room 237, you know, you have people who think that Stanley Kubrick was such a genius that he had this. On top of the narrative, there was another narrative, but you have to be smart enough to see it. Yeah, and the idea that like Stanley Kubrick is like the founding fathers leaving clues for you, yeah. the Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. It's like he put all the clues in it if you can just figure them out and just put them all together. And that's also what makes the Zodiac really fun and and terrifying not fun fun's the wrong word (laughs) (laughs) what makes the zodiac like seductive to everybody is it's like there's so much data there's so much information and so so much work that people have put into the case that everybody's like if you can just arrange it correctly and that's why the zodiac ciphers are really seductive because you're like if i just saw if i break the code yeah gonna explain everything Mm -hmm. uh and then it'll just like open up like in the raiders of the lost ark like it'll just turn into like a golden beam of light and fly away everything will be fine again uh but i feel like maybe that's just all directors too that's just like auteur theory oh yeah it's just like assuming that and that's what i like about david lynch is he's like i don't know 
Mm-hmm. You're like, what did that mean? He's like, mm. Yeah, like when he was asked about the owls, he was like, oh, that was Mark Frost. That wasn't me. Yeah. Yeah, um, that was definitely one of the frustrating things about film school is auteur fairy still has such a heavy hold and just this idea that, oh, yeah, it's just the vision of one person. And even though making a film is such a gargantuan effort and requires so many people, only one person's controlling None of them it. matter except the one dude yeah. who made it. Right, because a lot of the Kubrick stuff or a lot of the Shining stuff, you're like, that could be like the set designer. Like, we know he's involved, but like, you know, some random prop, like the Playgirl magazine that Nicholson is reading in one scene, like he brought in, you mm-hmm. know, where you're just like, people want to believe that somebody has control. Yeah. Because patriarchy mm-hmm. is comforting. It's like, that guy knows knows everything. And so it is comforting to think that like, what if there was a treasure map on the back of the Declaration of Independence? Yeah. I'm shocked nobody has like tried to steal it in real life <laughs> to see if that's true. Because now I want to steal it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I wonder if there is any sort of effort to have a copycat crime around that time. Yeah, I wonder if there are like national treasure people that are like that movie is a documentary and it's mm-hmm. telling the truth and we just need to like get in there and find the map on the back of the Declaration of Independence. Except they're probably also like, oh, yeah, I mean, that movie gets some things right, but uh, (laughs) as an actual national treasure hunter, let me tell you. Let me tell you. It won't be on the Declaration of Independence. That's too obvious. You got to look at the Magna Carta. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's a lot like another movie that you and I like and talk about a lot Mm -hmm. uh, called is it secret of bear mountain it's called gold diggers colon colon the secret of bear mountain yes and it's a a movie from the 90s that Mm -hmm. stars anna klumsky is it and christina ricci as like two girls who end up on like a goonies adventure because they see like a ping of light from a mountain that turns out to be buried gold Mm -hmm. california's gold uh, and that is basically Sarah and I's friendship. Yeah. And it's such a great movie. And uh, it's really unfortunate that it seems like it's kind of been forgotten of yeah. all those 90s movies. We talk about it so much because it's such a good movie. And it's like there's so few movies where like girls go on an adventure, yeah. you know, like you really treasure them. Yeah. Uh, it's like because Goonies, there's like a couple girls, but they're outnumbered. But even the fact that there's more than one girl in Goonies, you're like, oh, good. There's two girls. Yeah. And one of them's a wisecrack in Martha Plimpton. But uh, Secret of Bear Mountain is like just just girls on an adventure. Yeah. Just girls. It passes the Bechdel test like a thousand times. Yeah. I don't think they ever talk about men. All they talk about is like finding gold. Right. Like uh, I think the other film of that time you could point to that's like maybe a little comparable is Now and Then. I was but just going to say, yeah, Now and Then is a great movie too. I think you're has just a great so, soundtrack. It's like I only realize when movies pass the Bechdel test because I'm, like, enjoying them so much, you know, or I'm like, or like A League of Their Own or something. You're just like, I don't notice when there are not a lot of men in a movie the same way maybe men don't notice when there are no women in a movie. Right. And going back to uh, my effort to catch up on the canon, I watched Beaches recently. Oh, yeah. I actually really enjoyed it. Beaches, you said, was really good. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Yeah. I you mean, said it's good because, like, it's Bette Midler and she's so weird. Yeah, she's so weird. And they let her be weird. Yeah. I mean, I think I like the first two-thirds of it. 
And then, and then I realized that, oh, that's also kind of just the movie Girlfriends. <laughs> which is a great movie, too. Yeah. yeah, and I was telling you to watch The Way We Were, which is a movie I had never seen. Just all these kind of like tearjerker movies that are in the canon but get made fun of Yeah, for being women's movies. The Way We Were is such a rad movie because it's about uh, it's Robert Redford and Barbara Streisand and they meet in college and she's the campus activist mm-hmm. and he's like a like a straight you know straight laced suit kind of boring guy. Basically the whole movie is about how like they fall in love and then he's just like not cool enough for her and they have to like accept that he's not radical enough for her mm-hmm. and she doesn't, you know, she loves him but has to follow her poli- her politics, her dream. <laughs> Um, but it's a really good movie and a really good romance because it's like they're both feel like real people. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would the modern equivalent be? Like she's in DSA. <laughs> he... I mean, it it goes for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it would be. I mean, there are a lot of bad movies about like people with opposite politics and then they fall in love. Yeah. But that one is good. Um, Does it just feel real? It feels real. Like and those... it's like maybe this is just. You know, it's like the only movie about like, like, oh, it's like the the opposite of like The Graduate. It's like an inverse The Graduate. Oh, nice. It's like she's the weird Jew mm-hmm. and he's the goy and he loves her because she's exotic. But then it's also like he can't handle it because she's too much woman for him. <laughs> and because the movie is made with Barbara Streisand, she, you know, you side with her. You're like, yeah, she's great. Like. He doesn't deserve her, but it's still sad that they like can't end up together. What a good movie. It's like he has to marry a boring girl instead. And that's mm-hmm. the tragedy of the movie is that he goes off to be with the boring girl. And she's like, that's what you need. Go off with him. And then they quote it in a Sex in the City scene that I will not quote here. Okay. But just so you know. Okay. <laughs> uh, speaking of wonderful romances for the ages, mm-hmm. Eyes Wide Shut yeah. and Cocktail. Yeah. So, Sarah, you'd never seen Cocktail before. No, and recently you've been talking about it, and it was on Netflix. I think they might have just taken it down. Yeah, everybody was talking about it, and then it was because it was on Netflix, so everybody was watching it, because that's all anyone actually wants from streaming services is movies like Cocktail you can watch a hundred times. Right, like basic cable movies. Yeah. I don't want any like new programming. I don't want to like watch anything new. Right. <laughs> I just want to watch The Fabulous Baker Boys. And Cocktail, Major League, things that would be on TBS. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's the streaming service I want. Yeah. And I didn't really know that much about Cocktail aside from the soundtrack because it was just something I always saw at my aunt's house. And, you know, you got Kokomo. Yeah. It's mainly known for that. Yeah. Uh, What a weird movie. So weird. I was not expecting – I would say it has a skeleton of darkness. Like, it's not really – a dark movie per se, but watching it, it seems like, yeah, there's this sort of underlying darkness that if the film had been made like 10 or 15 years before, it would have been like a BBS film with like Jack Nicholson as a Tom Cruise character. Not sure who would play his mentor. Is it a Disney movie? Because I think think what happened is like it was a dark movie and then it got turned into a Tom Cruise movie Mm -hmm. and they were like, this can't be dark. Like it has to... But it's still so dark. Yeah. Uh, He works at a bar that's in a jail. (laughs) (laughs) But I looked it up and found out it was a real jail in Canada is where they shot that part that's all like the jail-themed bar. It was just in a jail in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. Um, It takes place in this weird kind of like 
uh, cyberpunk New York, you know, because yeah. it's like 80s New York, but then shot not really in New York. Yeah, which uh, going back to Eyes Wide Shut, the uh, exterior shots at night really reminded me of Eyes Wide Shut because of the fact that I assume that they're both shot on sets. Maybe? Yeah, and it's that thing where it's like if you've grown up seeing New York in movies you have a way you expect it to look. That's yeah. how it looks in movies and it's not what it looks like in real life. But it's like its own thing, you mm-hmm. know? You're like, that's New York. It's a postcard of New York, like projected behind somebody. Yeah. Greatest fucking city on the Greatest planet. Greatest fucking city. Whatever. We also saw Gotti. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's too much Gotti content out there. So yeah. we're bringing with the people what they really need, which is cocktail and eyes wide shut yeah uh so you had a theory about cocktail and eyes wide shut oh yeah really great theory um so there's a scene i would say in the first act of cocktail where tom cruise and his mentor i keep forgetting who plays the mentor brian brown oh great australian yeah so they're walking around they're really really drunk it's played for laughs even though it's like they're so drunk seems like one of them's about to piss themselves And Tom Cruise falls down this long flight of stairs going down to the subway. It's a really bad fall. Like the sort of fall that, you know, if your friend fell down those stairs, you'd be like, holy shit, they might be dead. Or they might, (laughs) I don't know, be paralyzed from the neck down, have a concussion. You'd go to the doctor. Yeah. Um, Instead, they're like, Um, They're like, LOL, cocktails. Yeah. And then the scene, I believe, ends after that. So my theory... Um, so at that point, maybe he's in a coma and everything after that is within his mind and he is still in that coma and eyes wide shut. And that's why it has the dream logic. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, if The Shining can have all sorts of crazy ass references, why not eyes wide shut? Eyes wide shut gets its own theory. And it's a theory that Tom Cruise is playing one character in all Tom Cruise movies. Yeah. And that all of those movies make up one narrative. Yeah. Because I feel like you could even go back to Risky Business and be like, okay, first he's the guy in Risky Business, and then he moves to New York City mm-hmm. after high school and becomes a bartender, and then he falls down a flight of stairs, he goes into a coma, and then when he wakes up, he goes to med school and becomes a doctor. Yeah. He's like, eyes wide shut. Yeah. You know, in his early 20s, he was a bartender, and then he decided to go to med school, and it's all part of the cocktail extended it's universe. It's part of the cocktail extended universe. Yeah. Um, does he fall down the stairs before they go to Jamaica? I believe so, yeah. Okay, because the whole Jamaica sequence in that movie it feels nuts. like such a dream sequence. Yeah. Uh, and it is so weird and out of place after yeah. everything else that's happened in the movie so far. There's an air of darkness in the Sandals Resort. It is. It's so <laughs> weird. I mean, also because it's like they go to the like resort it is like an all-inclusive weird like 80s resort yeah it's like something you have seen an ad for on tv when you're a kid yeah i mean i saw cocktail for the first time like probably in high school but it was on like hbo like two in the morning or something you Mm -hmm. know and i just was watched ended up watching the whole thing and then was like what was that weird dream I had where, like, Tom Cruise was riding a horse on the beach with Elizabeth Shue? Because <laughs> that part just does feel, like, patched in from another movie. Yeah. Uh, and it makes a lot more sense if you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's his uh, his grandma uh, freak out while after he falls down 
a flight of stairs. Yeah, all makes sense. It all makes sense. It also, it's very like David Lynchy, if you think of it that way. It's yeah. very like a Mulholland drive of like, this part of the movie takes place in the realm of the imagination. Mm-hmm. All about <laughs> our inner desires. And in Cocktail too, because Cocktail, it's like you think because it gets so happy and then it goes back to New York. Yeah. And gets real dark. Mm-hmm. Somebody kills themselves. Yeah. And then it has, like, sort of a happy ending. Yeah, it's just a very abrupt happy ending where it's like, is that happiness? And no. it's a very 80s idea of happiness where it's like, and then they went on to create TGI Fridays. Yeah. <laughs> they opened a bar and that was the dream. And it's such an 80s thing because it's like he's kind of a gold digger yeah. is like what the, the plot of the movie is. Yeah. Which is great. And his mentor is constantly threading over uh, profit. Yeah, they're like a couple of bartenders, but their real hustle is like having sex with rich women to scam them out of money. And they want to create a franchise of bars. Yeah, where they can do that (laughs) (laughs) full time. Mm -hmm. And then his mentor, uh, spoiler, dies. And he's like, I must go on to do this for my friend. what a weird everything. Yeah, there's also like that scene in the bar where he starts doing really bad slam poetry. Oh, the barman poet. Yes. The last barman poet. <laughs> oh, God. Well, he cuts off the last yuppie poet, and then he's the last barman poet. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and it takes place in this weird kind of cloistered fake, fake New York that, again, I feel like is what I think of New York in movies. And that's why Eyes Wide Shut, I know a lot of people bothered by the fact that it looks like it's set on sets but that's part of what makes it feel like such a weird dream is you're yeah. like i'm in dream new york yeah it's so unsettling he's just wandering around mad about just the thought of his wife with another man <laughs> <laughs> uh how many times have you seen eyes wide shut uh at least Six or seven times. Yeah. Uh, I wrote a paper on it in college. What did you say in your paper? I don't remember. <laughs> I probably wrote it the night before it was due. And you were like, it's a unified theory of cocktail, but I won't see that <laughs> yeah. for 10 more years. And I probably got a C or something. But uh, yeah. You know, I saw Chet fans, we are legion mm-hmm. because it's a very specific type of person that I feel like is like, I saw Chet is a great movie. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of us. Mm-hmm. And... Again, it's like there's something comforting about the idea that, like, the world... It's not comforting. It's just, like, it makes sense. You're like, well, the world feels like it's run by, like, a bunch of rich people in one weird room at a sex party. Mm -hmm. So, like, the idea that that exists would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is where this stuff happens. Yeah. Oh, speaking of the sex party scene, so you know the creepy piano song, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That one. Uh, so around Christmas time, we had a Christmas party, and about a week before, someone on Slack was like, hey, could everyone sing Christmas songs to me? And someone, of course, you know, you got the uh, the person who's like, oh, Die Hard is technically a Christmas film. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> film okay. nerds. Yeah. At this point, I don't even know if that's a film nerd thing. No, it's a, you know, yeah, it's a diehard thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then my dumbass was like, you know, Eyes Wide Shut is technically a Christmas Hell film. Hell yeah. And I posted that song. It was a joke. 
Then they played it at the Christmas party. <laughs> the thing about that song is it's a lot longer than you think it's going to be. <laughs> like, it plays, and it has a quiet period, and you're like, okay, it's over. Oh, it's over. And it goes, dun, 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 dun. There's the other song, too. I was in the car recently, and I had just been talking about Eyes Wide Shut with somebody, because I you know, generally am. Uh, and in the car, it came on the classical station, the other, the, like, waltz from oh, Eyes Wide yeah. Shut. It's like, do, 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 And somebody had requested it on the classical station. Yes. But it totally was like, I was like, who requested this if it wasn't me? I knew you were listening. Yeah, and I heard it again on the request hour. So whoever the mystery <laughs> Eyes Wide Shut waltz requester is. Is our friend. Is our friend. Yeah. You're a Molly Sleazy friend. Yeah. Come on the pod. Yeah. Uh, well. Yeah. I mean, the thing about the orgy in Eyes Wide Shut, besides being one of the least sexy orgies ever depicted on film, which is, I think, why people were mad at the movies, because they were like, we were promised sex. This movie's all about not having sex. Right, because they had the trailer and they had, uh, what was it, Chris Isaac? Yeah. That one song. So good. Yeah, so it seemed like, ooh, it's like a sexy thriller. Yeah, and it was like, erotic, they're married in real life, and they're naked in this trailer, and the movie took so long to make. Yeah. And then the movie itself is like, very, it's not unsexual, it's just unsexy, which yeah. is cool um but also makes people mad because they're like naked people but i'm not turned on what's yeah. this about oh man <laughs> god damn it i rented this yeah i thought i rented this because it had an, an nc-17 i saw no mr skin because no i mr. still read skin, that it's 1998 yeah. in this story <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's like like another great movie about sex that is really unsexy, Showgirls. Yes. It's like, yeah, it's about the pursuit of sex kind of like divorced from any pleasure. It's yeah. just like pursuit, pursuit. <laughs> Don't even want the thing that I'm trying to get. I just want to get it to prove that I can, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of what Cocktail's about, too. Yeah. Chasing that at, dream. At the very end of Eyes Wide Shut, I guess he gets it. He gets that it. classic line. What is it? Like, now we had to fuck. Yeah, it's like, or now, something. she's like, now we're gonna fuck. She's doing like a weird New York accent. <laughs> and then, but it still sounds Australian, like a little bit. She's like, now we're going to fuck. <laughs> now we're gonna fuck, mate. Oh, mate, throw another fuck on the Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, yeah, like Tom Cruise and Australians, mm-hmm. something there. Maybe she's the daughter of Brian Brown's character cocktail whoa and then uh, after the movie after they fucked then they open a bar called cocktails and dreams you yeah. know at the end of eyes wide shut yeah that's that's how it goes wow 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 what a journey yeah we fidelio fidelio yeah i made molly a fidelio bug you sent it to me like as a mystery and it was yeah. the best thing that ever happened to me <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so we'll see you uh we're gonna you know Go to Bohemian Grove now. Yeah. I guess, like, I guess also it's like if the Eyes Wide Shut orgy were real, it would be like Burning Man, you know, which sucks. Right. So, like, maybe I don't want it to be real. Yeah. Also, in real life, I hopefully you'd have like all sorts of different body shapes. Yeah. It wouldn't be so uniform. Well, I think 
part of it, or if one of the theories I've heard is it's because they all look just like his wife. Oh. It's that all the women in the Eyes Wide Shut orgy look exactly like Nicole Kidman, like body-wise. Right, because this is all within his head yeah. and cocktail. Yeah, and... and it's all like a weird like nightmare about his wife having sex with other people. Yeah. And then afterwards, she's like, I was having sex with all these people. And then he find, one of them finds the mask, which is also what happens at the end of the movie Cruising. Oh, yeah. Remember? There's like a mask from the sex party he goes to. Right. His wife finds it. Mm -hmm. It's like ambiguous as to whether she's cool with it or not. Yeah. Uh, Cruising is definitely also in the cocktail. I think they shot Cruising and Cocktail at the same time and maybe used some of the same locations. Maybe I made that up. That's my new conspiracy theory. Yeah. We should update IMDb (laughs) right now. Lambo Wars. (laughs) Well, thanks for coming on the podcast, Sarah. It's been great. Yeah, anytime. We, we have these conversations anyway. Yeah. This time we taped it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, any uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Molly Lambert if you have any thoughts or feelings yeah. about Eyes Wide Shut, Cocktail, National Treasure, Alex Jones, <laughs> Morgulons, <laughs> the Illuminati. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Zodiac. If you know who the Zodiac is, if you are the Zodiac, you can tell us your secret's safe with me. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. This has been Molly Sleazy Friends. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah, no problem. Fidelio. 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 Fidelio, mate. Kokomo Delio. (laughs) (laughs) The end. Molly Sleazy Friends. Friends.